I think um, up till a couple of years ago, um, I I don't think I was very aware of myself at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was, you know, part of it was um, like being single for a while, uh, for quite a few years, mm-hmm. um, has given me the space and opportunity to really explore, you know, who I am as myself yeah. and just myself. Check, check. All right, here we go. Welcome to Our Faith Journey, a podcast that focuses on how to find joy and purpose in an abundant relationship with Christ. My name is Gerald Chang, and I've noticed that most Christians today struggle to develop a personal connection with God. This podcast will share practical ways on how to foster a relationship with Christ so that you can experience lasting joy. Well, welcome to the 16th episode of the show and the third part of the Enneagram series. You have no idea how excited I am for this series because I truly believe the Enneagram can be an amazing. You see, the Enneagram is not meant to be 100% accurate, but it's very helpful for us to grow in our self-awareness and understand how God can meet us in our brokenness. Help us better learn how God can meet us in our struggles. So yes, I'm so excited as we continue to learn about the Enneagram. Hey, by the way, if you haven't listened to the intro to Enneagram episode, I would suggest you to listen to that first so you get a grasp of what the Enneagram is all about. And if you don't know your Enneagram number, I would encourage you to click the link in the show notes below that will send you to the website. Uh, There you will find a step-by-step guide on how to find your Enneagram number. Your number might not be something you find out right away, and that's completely normal. So feel free to message me on my social media platforms if you would like some advice on finding your number. Well, anyways, I'm so excited to dive into the next Enneagram number of the series, Type 2. On this episode, I bring on one of my best friends, John Huang, to share about his experience being a 2. We talk about the 2's desire to be loved and needed by others, and how that influences them to serve beyond what they are capable of giving. We also talk about the two's struggle with pride and how twos can grow into spaces of health and so much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with John Huang. Well, I'm really excited to talk today about the Enneagram Type 2 with none other than my good best friend, good best friend, best friend, John Huang. John, you want to say hi? Hello. (laughs) You sound really excited right now. (laughs) You sound really like professional. (laughs) Well, I just want to give you a little background about our friendship. Uh, When I was a freshman in Loma Linda Academy, uh, Mr. John Huang reached out to me. I don't know how, but we just grew close over the years. And it's been it's been almost eight years now that we've been friends, which is pretty cool, considering that uh, college and life just didn't separate us. And I think. John has definitely impacted my life in a really positive way. So I'm really excited because I think his insight on the Enneagram 2 will be really valuable for you guys, for those of you who are type 2, or for those of you who uh, have friends that are type 2. Um, I think this will be a help, helpful conversation. So, John, can you just share us a little more about yourself, um, where you're from, and what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I'm... I basically grew up in the same place that Gerald grew up. Um, I guess I can refer to you as you. (laughs) 
haven't left far since. I'm still in Loma Linda, uh, San Bernardino area. But right now I am in the process of building a commercial production company with a couple of my buddies. Um, What's the name? Called Long Division right now. (laughs) (laughs) You have to say it like... Like like how? Yeah, like... (laughs) (laughs) No, No, we're not going to say it. (laughs) Yeah, so we're trying to do creative um, commercial type work uh, and trying to build up a bigger client base, hopefully to get more work. That's awesome, man. Um, If you guys haven't seen John's work, you can go to johnhuang.com. It's a random random plugin or longdivision.com and you can see... Uh, longdivision.film sorry longdivision.film <laughs> sorry sorry to see kind of the creative work he does he's a really incredible uh cinematographer is that the word to use uh i don't know i kind of do a bit of everything but Video- now i'm probably a little bit more focused on just production and directing at this point yeah he does some amazing work so check that out if you get a chance and so let's just dive right in um to the enneagram and so you know what I realize is that when people hear the word Enneagram, they have so many thoughts like, what is this like a cult symbol or like this is a weird thing. And so I just wanted to hear about your experience. Uh, can you describe to me your initial thoughts when you heard the Enneagram and compare it to how you see it now? Yeah. So my first introduction, um, I had a friend named Andrew, who's also a friend of Gerald's and, um, I didn't really get into it back then, but all I heard from him was uh, that there was this big, huge book that was about an inch and a half thick, (laughs) and it wasn't something I was going to read, even though he said that I really should read it. And it wasn't until Gerald brought it up a couple of years after and made me... (laughs) um, Literally same uh, experience. (laughs) Yeah. um, But now I think um, I do like it because it... Yeah, I I mean, a lot of people at this point are pretty familiar with the whole Myers-Briggs personality. Yeah. Um, And that was really nice because it gave, you know, me and a lot of other people an extra set of language to talk about, you know, how we see ourselves and how we interact with the world. And I think the Enneagram um, just kind of adds yet another layer of extra language that allows you to better represent to others what you, um, like how you interact with the world and how you actually, um, function, I guess. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like emotional language, right? We, when we read our types, it's so fascinating to see that people have put into words the way we think and you're like, Oh, right. And as long as that's the case, I think it's, it's a good tool. I think a lot of people can get pretty caught up in, um, focusing too much on, you know, the tool itself, you know, on, on the Enneagram itself and the set of um, characteristics that it uh, tries to define these uh, different types as. Um, but as long as you use it as a tool uh, and take what you want from it as it is helpful for you, I think yeah. that's kind of the world I reside in. Mm-hmm. I, I like the analogy that uh, Enneagram scholars have said that a type is a spectrum like of color, right? So Let's say the type two is the color blue, and yet within the color blue, there's so many different types of blue, but they share a common characteristics, which right. kind of <clears throat> helps because I think other tests are like, this is you in this box. And the Enneagram helps you be like, oh, you share these things, but you're still a unique person. 
Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. important. So anyways, again, we're talking about the type 2 Enneagram. And this type is often referred to as the helper. And so if you're wondering if you or someone you know is a type 2, we start by looking at the base desire and the fear, right? And for the two, the basic desire is to be loved and needed by others. John, can you talk about how the need to be needed uh, shapes your personality and motivations? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess since I've been pretty introverted all my life, um, I've haven't been very vocal about anything in general. But I think having this set of characteristics as well, and this kind of desire to always feel like. I am needed. Um, I, I guess it impacted a lot of how I interacted with other people um, growing up. Um, <clears throat> so I guess having <laughs> I mean, to think a little bit about this one. That's okay. Take your um, time. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I guess how I would kind of describe my experience growing up is that, you know, I felt like I couldn't really make friends or relationships uh, or connections with people in maybe as genuine of a way as other people might have Mm. um, as a child and as maybe an adolescent, um, because I did see the world and other people as, uh, you know, not needing me for me. Like I never saw me as myself as something that was worthy in and of itself. Like I, I always believe that, um, yeah, if I, like I ended up doing a lot of things for a lot of other people, um, in hopes of pleasing them. Like I, I was like a very goody two shoes growing up. I was always like a teacher's pet, uh, because in that way it seemed like I mattered. Um, you know, in high school, one of the reasons why I got, uh, really into, you know, first photography and then, um, video and filmmaking was Mm -hmm. because the camera allowed me to, in a sense, have a purpose in, in the school that I was a part of. Um, it gave me a purpose to be at social events. It gave me a purpose to mingle with people. And even in that, I guess, passion that I really enjoyed, uh, I think there was a big ulterior motive, um, in that it was my way to feel needed because now, mm. um, you know, I was the person that was documenting uh, the school and mm. and the person who yeah, was, yeah, yeah. you know, capturing life. And and it was just like another level of that. And so I think it it goes pretty deep into how I um, into like how I, I I've approached a lot of friendships. Yeah. Um, you know, even into college, there are a lot of uh, friends I've made because I've been able to empathize well with, you know, how they're feeling, which is, um, I guess another like trait of a two. Um, and because, you know, our, our normal tendency is to empathize, uh, a lot of people can end up feeling pretty connected to us in a fairly natural way. Um, but that also means that, uh, you know, if left unchecked, we can become, uh, just this resource of empathy that's only sought out when uh, empathy is needed or right. desired by other people, which yeah. can leave us, you know, pretty drained as well. So I think 
you know, in all of these aspects, um, this desire to feel, even if, if people are seeking us out for empathy, sorry, even if people are seeking us out for empathy, um, you know, that, that in a way still fuels or satisfies this desire to be needed. So on the one hand, you know, we're satisfying the desire to be needed, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, you know, it's obviously draining if that's all we're sought out for. Yeah. I want to kind of share about, I guess, the beginnings of our friendship. So like John said, one thing I appreciated about our friendship was that I felt understood with him, right? And for the first few interactions, it was a lot more of me talking and him listening. And I didn't realize it, right? Because John was such a good listener. But it was only until the later years of our friendship when I think maybe into the latter half of my high sorry, college, um, that I realized, wow, like how much do I actually know about John? Um, and when I realized I needed to start asking him, um, then I started to learn more about you and it began to make sense, you know, like there's just so much of you that you haven't shared because in general, your tendency is not to open up about yourself, right? Your tendency is just to help and, that's such an important quality, but I think society abuses twos because they're just helping and we just let them help us without realizing that they need help as well. Um, you want to say anything on that or? Um, no, you can keep going for that. Okay. For sure. Um, so uh, kind of moving forward, I want to touch on the fear of the two, um, the fear of being alone. And other Enneagram scholars call the basic fear of the two, uh, the fear of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. And I kind of related to this, uh, twos kind of believe that they're loved, um, for what they do for others. Right. So can you, uh, talk about how this fear has impacted the way you've approached life? And I guess what have you had, have had to do or what you continue to do to combat this fear of being alone yeah um i think like first and foremost i think um you know any time that i slip into a space where i'm less than confident in myself and and start feeling um you know feelings of unworthiness i think yeah the tendency is always to gravity like hold on to the statement of I am unworthy of love um, mm. in, in all aspects you know in within friendships or, or whatnot um, and yeah I, I'm not sure I've I've been able to like successfully conquer it but uh, definitely having been aware of it and making strides to you know rewire how my thinking is, Mm-hmm. Um, has helped me in this recent past. I think um, up till a couple of years ago, um, I I don't think I was very aware of myself at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was, you know, part of it was um, like being single for a while, uh, for quite a few years, mm-hmm. um, has given me the space and opportunity to really explore, you know, who I am as myself yeah. and, and just myself. Um, it's allowed me to really explore creating friendships and how that has been able to impact my life. And, and honestly, I think I owed it. I owe a lot to my friends, 
especially in my, my close group of friends who have created a space where, um, you know, I've been encouraged to share my thoughts and feelings and emotions um, in a way that helps them to understand me, but also helps me to understand myself. Because I think for me, I learn quite a bit by, um, you know, putting my my thoughts into words. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I guess for me, it's helpful, one, to, you know, if, if significant emotions sweep over, um, I tend to write about it and journal about it. Mm. Um, and in processing my thoughts, I be able to share it as well as I, I find, um, helpful. And yeah. it's in, I guess, rewiring the way that I think, um, to remind myself of, you know, all that I do have, the relationships and friendships that I do have, uh, that helps me, I guess, just at, at the very least, um, logically understand that I'm not unworthy of love. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Even if my heart doesn't believe it in the mm. moment. You know, the, the basic fears we talk about each type and I, John was mentioning something, you know, like, I don't think I've conquered it. And I think that's for everyone. I think we have a tendency to fall into those fears and we can work on ways to like, I guess, mitigate it. But I think it's always going to be there. Um, it's just a matter of how much of it affects us. And I kind of want to touch in what you said um, when you talked about journaling. I think that's such an important thing you've discovered. And I think for twos, one of the important things that uh, they need to find is like an outlet for expressing their thoughts, right? You mentioned how you are generally empathetic toward others, but there's not a space where, or you've had to discover that space where people can receive you um, so I think that's such an important movement for twos to do, to move into that space, but also for our friends to recognize and give that space to other people. Or if you are a two, you need to find those type of people. Um, so anyways, as we move forward, I, I want to touch upon the deadly sin of the two. Um, other Enneagram scholars describe this concept in a different way, but I'm going to go with deadly sin and uh, the the deadly sin of the two is pride. And when I read this, I was kind of confused because pride seems so contradictory to the character type of the two, right? Someone who's constantly looking out for others. Uh, but pride in the two manifests itself in this way. Uh, they're so in tune with the feelings of others that they think they know what's best for us in every situation. And honestly, in most situations, they're right. I mean, I gotta be honest as a three, like I'm, I've had to work on being in tune with the feelings of myself and others too, but some situations twos aren't right. And so John, can you talk about your struggle with pride in this area and, um, how you've worked on it? Yeah, I guess, um, I'm not the more that I, that I think about it, I'm not exactly sure that the statement of, um, you know, most of the time we're right about our intuitions of emotions is a hundred percent correct. Cause I think, <laughs> yeah. um, I think maybe we believe that m most of the time we're correct about our intuitions, but I think, uh, maybe it's just me, but yeah, oftentimes I feel like 
I sometimes project quite a bit on others that might not actually be true. But back to your question, I think the the fear and I guess for you the sin right. um, of this type is pretty closely related because the the fear is that you know we're um, not going to be accepted, not going to be loved, mm-hmm. um, and I think that works hand in hand with. Uh, the whole pride thing, because um, our our drug is to f- I, I have acknowledgement for the things that we we do and and to actually be shown um, or to experience appreciation uh, for the things that we do, um, whether that be you know empathizing with a friend or even in. Uh, normal everyday tasks that mm-hmm. you know you might do to please a friend or a significant other or whatnot, um, and I think pride comes from the f- fear that you know without the acknowledgement of being needed, uh, we're we're going to lose connection yeah. with people. Um, and so we pride ourselves in quote unquote, knowing what is right for other people and how we, you know, how we think of, um, man, how do I say it? That's how, that's how you can stay in their lives. Right. Because if you know what is best for us, then we're going to defer to you. Yeah. And, and our fear is that if we, or somehow they discover that that may not be true, um, then our fear is to, uh, we fear that we're going to lose that friendship or that, yeah. that relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of like if you aren't able to provide help to someone, what are you to them, right? Kind of along that train of thought. Yeah. If, or if your help isn't valid or... Um, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, because I think we intuitively think that we're we we are awarded love due to our being needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's hard for us to accept that we had have that inherent value of being worthy of love amidst not having you know a need for somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I know that um, it's interesting to explore the concept of pride because it doesn't come off as as boastful. You know what I'm saying? It's it's there's more. I mean, nuance. we try to mask it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think um, especially you know um, a few years back when I I wasn't as aware of you know how I was interacting with people. Um, yeah, like we can be quite manipulated in how we interact with people. And, and I think to a degree that maybe we're even fooling ourselves a little bit. Because, um, mm. you know, it's it's this whole thing between um, what is actually love and what is actually just an investment. Because I think for us, um, we <laughs> tend to view love as investments because we, mm. we, we think that love comes from being needed and so um when we give or when we offer empathy or when we uh offer our help or assistance 
things that you know give us acknowledgement for our works yeah. um we feel like that is kind of adding to a piggy bank that we can one day cash Draw. out on um and i think <laughs> you know in reading some material about this personality type i really connected with uh, the fact that they point out we're really good at, you know, being fairly intuitive about other people's needs and being able to act upon those intuitions. But we're, we're also, I guess, secretly really desiring and expecting that intuition to be reciprocated oh, and for right, right, right. other people to really have an understanding of who we are and, and what we want uh, emotionally and I guess tangibly. Um, without us having to do much work to disseminate the fact that we we have those desires or wants. Um, so if you know if I'm feeling upset in the past or you know at you or or you did something that <laughs> right. you may not even know has any consequence of like upsetting me, um, like I would probably just never tell you and hold that resentment until yeah. you came to that conclusion yourself yeah. or i dropped little passive aggressive hints until <laughs> you knew that something was wrong but had no idea what that was yeah and we tend to hold on to these things for like a very long time mm. um if we don't consciously choose to let, you know approach that differently yeah i think one area in which our friendship has grown is you've definitely improved on your ability to express your frustrations to me. And um, I think for the twos that are listening, um, it's very helpful to be direct, right? Because we can't read your mind. I'm sorry. And and you guys are so good at reading ours. But we, we just, you know, we, it's hard. And I know you guys um, are so good at, 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 I don't know, seeing us and understanding us but it's hard for us to understand you and and when you express um how you feel where you've been hurt like it's very helpful for us so we have a clear direction right yeah There's not a level definitely of- makes life better <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i think um <laughs> maybe the reason why we're we're not uh very naturally willing to you know share that we're upset with your whatnot is because we think at least for me i i've always had this gut feeling that if I straight out told you why you had upset me, I guess it it somehow cheapened whatever uh, you chose to remedy that situation with. Like it, it had, you know, it's kind of we see it as you know, um, I told for a significant other. It's like I told you to go give me a rose instead of you intuitively going out to surprise me with the rose right since right. that's what i wanted yeah. yeah and but i mean i think that's just unfair <laughs> and i mean after dropping that preconception i think life has definitely been better <laughs> i agree being on the other side <laughs> um i also want to talk about i guess another element of the pride piece um because i think there's nuances to it like we said and i think an element of the pride piece is that twos convince themselves that they don't have needs and that other needs are important than theirs. So in turn, twos find happiness from meeting the needs of others, but often fall short of meeting their own needs. And this is a disastrous cycle because as Jesus said in Mark uh, 
1231, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And basically, you can only love your neighbor well if you love yourself well. So can you describe, John, your struggle with loving yourself and some steps you've taken to practice self-care? Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely been a journey. And I think, um, I mean, it's, it's not until like pretty recently that I really have been able to articulate, you know, why I do love myself, um, because I think now I can very confidently say and, and kind of just express all the reasons why, you know, I view myself as a, a human being that, you know, is deserving of, of love and, and just appreciation. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think that's just, you know, through a lot of journaling through, you know, creating a community and, um, you know, having people uh, that have guided me into better ways of thinking and and seeing the world, and I think, you know, if if you if you don't make that step to really explore why you know you're worthy, um, you know, we can very easily just continue continually just trap it all inside of us and never let that really escape until something really pushes us over the edge mm. at some point. I mean, I don't have a clear answer for that. Yeah. 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 Would you say, cause I remember, um, some twos asked or the question was asked to twos like, is there something that other people can say or do to, sorry, do for you to help you better love yourself? Or? Yeah, I guess it's, um, the, the biggest thing by far is to just show that you're not going to leave one when we don't need anything from you. And two, when we show that we might not have all the answers, um, mm. because in doing that, you're reinforcing this idea that, um, one, I am loved just for being me. Um, and two, you're not here just, you know, to render my, uh, you know, to be a patron of me. Um, <laughs> And I think that for me has been very helpful and I've been very lucky to have friends who have been very gracious of me, you know, in a lot of times like oversharing. Um, cause I think I went from not sharing any of my feelings to in a way pushing my, my myself to share a lot more than maybe most people do just as a way for me to be comfortable with, uh, my own feelings and my own thoughts and, and who I was slowly becoming or working towards becoming, um, and having that not just be received, but be encouraged by the people that are closest to me, I think has helped me, you know, gain a lot of confidence in, you know, just who I am and, and the permission to just be who I am. Yeah. I think kind of touching on that, it's so helpful for everyone, but especially twos to, to find spaces where they can be naked and unashamedly themselves, right? And you kind of mentioned that your friends have provided that space for you and you've begun to open up. And I think that's a beautiful move into health. And speaking on health, 
I, I love that the Enneagram is not like a box personality test, right? It's not like this is who you are and that's it. There's more of um, this is what you can be at your best and this is what you can be at the worst. And we talked a lot about some of the struggles of being a two, but I want to touch upon kind of the healthy characteristics of twos. So in your best space, what have you seen, a, I guess, healthy aspects of your personality? I guess in the best space, things, you know, a space that I'm kind of aspiring towards is to be able to um, <laughs> be genuine in my giving and respect appropriate boundaries without the fear of losing relationships. Yeah. I think that ultimately would be you know, success in properly uh, not managing, but, you know, utilizing the best of my personality. Can you say more about respecting appropriate boundaries yeah i mean very likely um our personality leads us to just disintegrate all boundaries that relate to our own well-being um because we crave this 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 desire to be wanted to be needed to to have um, a reason to exist to other people um I mean, that very easily can mean that we're going to give up a lot of our personal needs, you know, the need mm, for right, space. Right. You're, the need, the yeah. need for about, mm, personal. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> now I can, in most times, um, comfortably, you know, push away even the friends that I am closest with if I am in a space where I need space and, um, if I need time to myself or if, um, you know, whatever they're asking of me to help them with, uh, isn't something that I particularly want to do and I can do so, um, or I'm trying to do so without, uh, <laughs> the fear that they're going to mm. look at me as lesser because now I'm not helping them in the way that they want me to, or that I have right. in the past. Yeah. You're kind of touching on this idea that a healthy aspect of a two is learning to say no in love, right? Because yeah. you and say, also to say yes in love. Oh, that's true, right? Like you're not just saying yeah. yes because you're hoping that they give back, right? right? That there's an element of you're giving because you want to give. There's yeah. no strings attached, right? Right, and and that you say no because you know you don't want to, and you're not afraid that by saying no, that they're gonna move away from you, right? Or maybe if they do, then that's not you. And that's, that's yeah, then that's something that we are okay with. Right. Our best selves. Hmm. So kind of talking about this, I'm sure um, there are some of our audience members who know twos, right? And um, would appreciate some advice. So speaking from the perspective of a two, um, what is some advice you'd give to someone who is in a relationship or a friendship with a type two? Yeah, I, I mean, we touched on this a little bit, but I think <laughs> if you're interested in actually investing in that relationship, uh, give them this space to, or not just give them, but encourage them the space to uh, reveal things about themselves. Like we need to be pushed to reveal. Mm. Like that doesn't come. Pushed. Yeah, it's a very strong word, <laughs> right? Because our tendency, especially when it we feel like uh, 
the conversation is shifting to a place where we're, you know, going to be revealing stuff about ourselves, we have this tendency to flip it back so that, you know, we divert attention away from us back onto you. Like we do that quite a bit. And yeah, so yeah. we do need to be pushed to, um, you know, maybe as just validation that yes, you actually are just wanting to know what I am feeling or want to say, um, instead of playing our games of, you know, role reversal. Um, and on the other hand, I mean, if, if you're not serious about wanting to pursue, uh, a genuine friendship with somebody with, you know, characteristics of a two, then, you know, don't BS us and don't continually, I guess, be a patron of us if you're not willing to also accept that, you know, we we do cherish close relationships to a very high degree. Yeah. I I remember... Like, stop taking advantage of it. I remember that... Uh, I forgot. Someone said that for twos, relationships are everything. Right. So yeah. if you are a friend with a type two, like, like John said, you need to be persistent about hearing them because they're not naturally going to open up about themselves that you're going to have to go out of your way to um, ask them how they're doing. And, and it's going to take, I think some time for them to open up and feel comfortable. I'm sure you can yeah. relate. And, and in those moments when they do, like it's so important to affirm them so that they feel comfortable again to open up to you and not kind of dismiss it or, you know, go back to talking about yourself. Cause it's like, Oh, I just, I just opened up a little piece about myself <laughs> and you just want to start talking about, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so <clears throat> it's definitely, I think can be a tall task, but I think it's an important task, right? If, because twos at the end of the day are very valuable to our society. They're the people who are going the extra mile to help, in any situation, right? And they're the people who see you when you're in your worst space. And they know even if you're not, you're trying to mask it, they can see it. And they're such important people. And and I think we owe twos, um, how do I say this? Kind of like give that back to them, you know? For how much they give to us, I think it's so valuable that we turn the same love. Not because we meet their expectations, but because we just want to, right? Because we want to return the love that they show us. Um, so as we close this time together and talking about continuing along our faith journey, which is the theme of this podcast, uh, what is some advice you would want a fellow two to hear? Um, <laughs> I guess some advice I... I'd like to offer is, you know, one, you are inherently worthy. Uh, and it's hard for, for us to really one, come to terms with that and two, hang on to that even when we feel the most unworthy, um, find ways where you can, I guess, logically explain to yourself why you are worthy um, and find spaces where you can express that, whether that is through, mm -hmm. you know, journaling or through friendships. Yeah. Um, 
And I think for me, yeah, building this community of friends who have been able to share uh, myself with has been probably one of the biggest, um, yeah, biggest blessings that I've I've had in this recent while. And it's really allowed me to break out of my own head and start, you know, understanding how I think, how I feel, how I express and how other people think. Yeah, um, I kind of want to maybe give you guys an insight into what John has done. So John has now owned an apartment and he has regularly opened up his home uh, for friends to come by and just hang out. And also he does like, he goes all out for food. Like we've done literally making dim sum by hand. Oh my gosh. Like it was so cool. And, and we all got together in a little picture, right? And it just showed to me how much John took time to invest in us. And there was this like, I think, hopeful mutual reciprocation on the other end. Like John, uh, John's home is, I consider a home outside of my home, a place where I can go and hang out and be myself and open up and, and do work and life together. And so, um, yeah, uh, twos, um, I hope that you can be proactive in creating spaces that um, embrace who you are. Yeah. So uh, before we end the show, I just want to uh, help our listeners to connect to you and what you're doing. So uh, how uh, how can the listeners connect to you? Yeah, so <clears throat> I guess my Instagram is probably the best insight into my life since I I don't normally post even my work on there. It's mo- mostly just food and friends and whatnot. So that's like a little look into my inside life. I don't even know what my handle is. I think it's John. Yeah, John. Oh, yeah something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> John.Huang. <laughs> um, but you guys, you can also find me at my website, JohnHuang.com. That's J-O-N-H-W-A-N-G.com. And if you're looking for some good video production, you can also head over to... LongDivision.film, one word. Right, it's not .com. Yeah. They have some really (laughs) cool stuff. So uh, I hope you can check it out. Guys, thanks again um, for listening. And John, thank you again for being a part of the show. Yeah, you bet. Well, I'm just so glad to have had that conversation with John. Thank you, John, for being a part of the show. Hey, and I also just want to add some words of advice to my fellow two friends in the context of our faith journey. You see, twos believe subconsciously that they are loved for what they do for other people and not for who they are. So I encourage you, my two friends, to really root your identity and worth in being a son or daughter of God. Nothing you can do can earn God's favor and love. God already loves you, died for you, and only asks that you accept his gift of salvation. I also recognize it's very easy for you guys to overextend yourself serving others because Your self-worth depends on the gratitude and appreciation you hear from those who you're taking care of. So, before you pour into others, make it your first priority to receive God's love into your heart. You can only give genuine love to others when you've received God's love into your heart. As Peter Scazzaro says, you cannot give what you do not possess. 
So I encourage you, my friends, to really find your root, rootedness and self-worth in God. Hey, I also realize this conversation may have not addressed some questions you might have about type 2s. Hey, so please do not hesitate to reach out to me on Facebook at Our Faith Journey Podcast or an email at ourfaithjourneypodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram as well, Our Faith Journey Podcast. I'll be more than happy to hear your thoughts and questions regarding this episode or anything in general. Hey, and if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please don't forget to subscribe or follow this show so you can receive new episodes every week. And also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate if you left a rating and review so that more people in the podcast community can find out about this show. Also, if you know someone who might be a type 2, I would really encourage you to send this podcast episode to them. Part of the beauty of the Enneagram is that you realize others think similarly to you and therefore struggle similarly. And I believe the struggle is easier when we struggle together. Well, next week, we continue our series on the Enneagram by diving into our type 3 friends. You see, type 3s are known as the achievers. And guess what? I am a type 3. So <laughs> I'm pretty excited for this episode because I bring on two of my Enneagram 3 friends, Yari Huerta and Emily Pangalila. So for those of you that follow me on my personal social media platform, now you know why uh, the three of us call each other the three gang because we're all Enneagram type threes. And I'm so excited to share you this episode because I think each of us bring a different picture and perspective into the struggles and challenges of being a type three. So as always, remember the words of the great Beth Moore. To God, our journey is just as important as our destination. God bless and see you next time.